really excited about this morning, but before we get started, I just want to pray. Uh, so if you could just bow your heads, I'm going to pray. Lord, I just pray that you would use me as a vessel to speak to your people. I pray that my words would not fall on deaf ears, but God, that they would penetrate the hearts of everyone that hears them. Lord, we welcome you. We welcome the Holy Spirit to do what only you can do. In Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Well, I just uh, want to share a little bit of a background first uh, before we get started uh, into the message and the title, Praise and Worship. Um, Jesus lived on the earth for 33 years, and then he died on the cross for our sins, and three days later he rose again, and then he kind of hung out in spirit form for 40 days, um, and he popped up here and there to the disciples giving his last final instructions. And then he told them, go to Jerusalem and wait for 10 days, and then I'm going to birth the church. And that exciting day came, and it was the day of Pentecost, which means 50, because it was the 50th day after the Passover, and the church was born. And so Jesus was no longer walking here on earth in his ministry, but it was through his spirit that he was working through people. And it was different. It was a different idea. It was a different way. And so people didn't understand. And because of that, a lot of people rejected the idea. However, I think that, I mean, I think that they would have wanted to be a part of what was happening had they fully understood. And I think even till this day, people will mock or make fun of or even reject things that they don't understand. So the church was born and it was an exciting time. But look in uh, Acts chapter two, verse 12 through 16, it says, amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. And then Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. And I love this part because he says, these people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only 9 in the morning. Like if it was 10, 11, maybe so, but not 9 in the morning. Like that's a big deal. It's 9 people, okay. But he says, but he says, no, 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 this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. He's saying, no, you don't understand. This is a prophecy. This is actually something that you've been waiting for, that you've been praying for, and something you would really want to be a part of. But now that it's here, it doesn't look like you thought it would, and you don't understand it, and so you're rejecting it. But it's actually something you've been praying for. And so people tend to stay away from things that don't necessarily make sense or that they don't understand. And so in this series, we're taking four topics, important topics, and uh, we just want to bring some clarity and understanding. But last week, Pastor Jim gave a great message on the Holy Spirit. And yes, didn't he? I had so many people tell me, come up to me and just say, it was so clear. I mean, I think we had over 50 people, if I'm not mistaken, baptized with the Holy Spirit. And just because they were like, I, I've avoided it my whole life, but I just didn't understand it. And, and it was just clear to me. And their life was changed just because they have a little bit of better understanding. And so this morning, I hope to bring a little bit of clarity on uh, something that's not uncommon, um, and that, but I'm excited about it. So I'm gonna talk to you about praise and worship. So if you're taking notes, there's a place for you to take notes, note section in um, the worship guide. 
So you may have heard the term praise and worship before, and if you haven't, it's what we refer to as the singing portion of our service. But it's really so much more than that. And you know, it's funny, whenever Jim asks me to speak, you know, some, a lot of times he'll give me a certain week or the dates, and then if we're in a series, he'll say, okay, you know, this is the topic, you know, for that week. And uh, when he said praise and worship, I, was, I just laughed, like, God has such a sense of humor because I cannot sing a lick. I mean, at all. I, I literally was reminded in junior high, I failed the plastic flutophone because I could not play Mary Had a Little Lamb. And I'm like, of course you would have me speak on praise and worship, right? That's just how God works. And so anyway, I, um, but then I started thinking, I thought, no, that's right, because you know, I love, I might not can sing, but that's not what it's about. And I love to worship. I love to praise, and I am passionate about it. I am excited about it. And so I thought, okay, I can do this, and I started to get excited about it. But I don't, I don't know about you, but I like to know the why behind things. Like, you know, don't just tell me something. I want you to explain it to me. And don't just say, oh, well, this is how it happens. I want to know why it happens that way. And I'm, I mean, I have to say that's probably one of my husband's favorite things about me is he just loves when I ask lots of questions, right? I'm sure you men can attest to that, right? You just love it when your wife asks lots of questions. But, but the whys are important. And there's a quote, Pastor Chris Hodges says, your whys determine your way. You do what you do based on your whys. Whys are important. And so I wanna talk a little bit about the whys behind praise and worship, why we do what we do here at Anchor Bend. Why does praise and worship look like it does here at Anchor Bend? And so the first one is because God asked for it. I mean, right? I mean, we have to kind of start with this because if God is God and if that's, I mean, if God asked for it, then, then we do it, right? And there's so many debates in the world today and in the culture about what's right and what's wrong. And the truth is, you know, it's really not up to us to decide. I mean, really, if God is who he said, I mean, if God is God and if you're God, I mean, that's the deal. You get to call the shots, right? I mean, and then if not and we don't do it his way, then he's not really our God anymore. He's just this religious thing we do when it's convenient, right? I mean, if God is God, then he calls the shots. And so I, you know, God didn't just ask one time. He literally took an entire book, the book of Psalms, with 150 chapters talking about praise and worship. And so I want to look at Psalms. In Psalms chapter 150, verse 1 through 6, he says, Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp. We had a harp here a couple of weeks ago on our stage. And a lyre. Praise him with the timbrel and dancing. Praise him with the strings and pipe. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. 
he starts with praise the Lord. He ends with praise the Lord. That's why we have all these instruments. He says that singing and dancing and strings and all these different kinds of instruments, although I'm glad that we don't have the clash of cymbals, right? I'm like, I, I can do without that a little bit, the clash of cymbals. But praise means one of seven Hebrew words. And in this one, it means halal. And it's where we get the word hallelujah, which is even the word hallelujah, we have, you know, kind of made it, when you think of that word, you think of hallelujah, hallelujah, like something very kind of formal and classic. It seems like a very traditional word because of kind of maybe of what we have made it. But when you look, I thought this was so interesting because when you look it up in the Bible dictionary of Hebrew and Greek words, this is the definition. Hallel means to shine, to make a show, to boast, and thus to be clamorously foolish, to rave, and to celebrate. I'm like, that sounds more like the club than it does Sunday morning. I mean, how many of you ever seen a fool in a club or acted like a fool in the club? I mean, he even said the word rave. I'm like, come on, Jesus. Right? I mean, and you know, I think back, like I used to love, I used to love to dance. Like that was one of my favorite things um, when, I, when I was in my, you know, wild days. Um, but I love to dance. And I remember when I first came to church, I struggled to raise my hand. Like I can remember thinking, okay, I'm, this Sunday, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. I'm like, I would just, that struggle within, like I'm gonna raise my hand. And yet when I was in the world, I could dance with no problem. You know, I remember the freedom that I felt when I was like, oh, okay, I just did it. I did it. I don't care. I just did it. Like, it was like this inner struggle. But God is like, he wants you to look like a fool. And, you know, I was thinking about this. I thought, what if someone told you, hey, we're going to have a birthday party for you. It's for you, and we're inviting you, and we want you to come. But there's not going to be any excitement. There's not going to be any celebration. It's not going to be your day to shine. But will you show up? Like, will you still come? And I wonder if that's how God feels sometimes. I wonder if he feels like we're like, God, show up. And then he gets here and he's like, but where's the party? Where's the party at? Where's the excitement and the celebration? I mean, and how many of you have ever shown up to a party and you're like, man, this party's dead. I'm out. Like, I'm out. This ain't fun. This ain't what I, this ain't what I signed up for. I mean, how many of you have, you have you had that experience? And I just think, God, I don't want that experience at this church, at Anchor Bend. At Anchor Bend, it's going to, when Jesus shows up, he's going to be like, this is where the party's at, right? That's, I'm like, come on. I thought if anybody knows how to party, it's Anchor Bend. That's right. The second why behind our praise is because praise is our purpose. It's a part of God, that's what God created you for, was for praise and worship. And in Revelation it says, for his pleasure we were created. And then so we sing, worthy is the lamb who was slain. And we worship God because it brings pleasure to him. And so yes, that might mean, you know what, the church, church isn't all for you. I mean, we want you to be encouraged. We want you to build relationships and we want you to grow. But there's a portion of it that is not all just for you. 
And so when you have to know that this is part of your purpose because otherwise you would come in saying, man, I sure hope that pastor preaches a good word this morning. I sure hope that Vanessa and the team will sing my favorite song and all this. And then it becomes about us. It's kind of like, you know, the purpose of our marriage that we talked about. It's not all about us. It's about him too. And I was thinking about the other, a couple of weeks ago, I don't know if you were here or not, but a couple of weeks ago in second service, we lost our sound. We lost the sound. And I just thought, you know what, if it was all about us, we would have left and went home. But it didn't matter if we had any sound or not. We were going to, well, I wasn't, but Vanessa would have sang a cappello. Like she, like we are just, because we came to worship. We came to give glory to his name, to praise his name to the God who created us. It was for his pleasure. So we just keep worshiping. So, and it's also important that, um, you know, that we know that it's not, it's not just for God. It's also for us too. And when we look at, at first, there's, there's a scripture in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, and it says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. And then there's a comma. So it's like, you're these things so that so that you may declare praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. It's like we're supposed to be excited about God in front of people. That he didn't say, just stand there and be like, thank you, Jesus. He said, declare his praises. Declare his praises. We're supposed to be excited in front of people. That's what he's telling us to do. And, you know, sometimes we can get a little nervous saying, well, I don't know. I think that that embarrasses people sometimes. No, it doesn't. It draws them in. It draws them in. I can remember I grew up in a small traditional church, a lot like the one. It looked a lot like the Dream Center and even had red carpet like the Dream Center did. Um, And that's where I first gave my life to Christ. But after a bit, I, I struggled a little bit. Because we would go to service, but then and time to time we would have maybe a fun activity or something after service or something going on. But I can remember as a teenager the first time that I visited a church like this one. Whenever we came in and it was like people loved God, but they looked like they enjoyed it. Like they were excited about God. There was joy on their faces. And I can remember seeing them. It was like the, the whole, it wasn't just about the activity after church. It was like the whole thing was fun. The whole service was enjoyable and fun. And it wasn't even about the activities. And I can remember seeing people lifting their hands. And I remember, their, as a little girl, I remember watching them, their faces lifted towards God, almost just locked in, focusing on him, praising him. And I remember they just had smiles on their faces. And it drew me in. I thought, I want that. It didn't embarrass me. It drew me in. I was reminded of a, and I'm just going to be completely vulnerable because this is, like this, a silly, a silly memory of uh, a game that my older sister used to play. And thinking back on it, she was super, super creative and still is. But she probably had to be to keep me entertained because I was like, you know, all over the place. So she came up with all kinds of stuff to entertain me. But she would close her hands tightly and just have an opening that faced her. And she would say that she had a little pet in her hand. And she would talk to it and she would smile at it and she would act like she was petting it. She even gave it a name and called it a woo-woo. And I was just, 
I was, I wanted to see it so bad. And I was just watching her and looking and watching. And I can remember, I remember the look on her face and how drawn in and how much joy she had. And I was like, I want to see what she has in her hand because it was bringing her so much joy. And I remember uh, this past week I was reminded that Pastor Jim asked at 21 Days of Prayer, which has been so amazing, by the way, um, but he asked the people that were there to fill out prayer requests of names of people that, that don't know Jesus, your friends and your family. And I can remember after that I was walking by and I was looking at those cards and it broke my heart because there were so many names. Like these are not names and cities and peoples we don't, people we don't know, but these are our family and our friends and people close to us that don't know Jesus. I mean, people were writing on the sides. It wasn't just two or three names, it was five and 10 names and they were writing on the sides of the cards. And I, and I just, I brought them to him and I'm like, look at all these names. And I was just thinking and I was praying and asking, Lord, like, God, where is the breakdown? What is, what is happening? And, and, I, and I, I was thinking, you know, we're, as a church, we're doing everything we can. We're looking, you know, we're changing the curriculum for children's ministry. We're making sure we have signs. We're looking at next steps. We're, you know, tweaking here and tweaking there. We're doing everything that we can to give them a good experience once they get here. But, God, how can we reach them? And I felt like God said, are you living your life in a way that they would even want to come? Are you living, because he says you can do all the marketing that you want, but if you look just like they do in your mess, why would they? Why would they? I, uh, my, you know, I, whenever finally my sister opened her hand, she had a piece of carpet fuzz <laughs> in her hand. That was woo-woo. But you know what? I didn't even care. I was like, that is awesome. I love that piece of fuzz because it brought her so much joy. And it was so genuine that I wanted what she had. People aren't looking, people don't care about the junk in your life. They got junk too. They don't care that you're having struggles in your marriage, struggles in your family with your job or your finances, because they do too. What they're watching is how you respond to it. They're watching your face. They're seeing like, you're the one with hope. You have the answer. What are you, what are you walking or Are you saying, God is good. He's faithful. I believe him. I've got peace in my heart. I've got joy in my heart. They're watching how you respond to it. So praise and worship, it's for God. It's for us. It's for the people that don't even need Jesus. I mean, know Jesus. And it, cause it's a part of our purpose. It's a part of how God created us. Why he created us was to worship. And the third thing is there's another reason uh, that we get excited around here, and that is because it is for what God has done. Amen? It's for what he's done in our lives. And uh, sometimes I think people can get a little high and mighty. I mean, you know, a little critical and, and not even trying to. Um, you know, sometimes it's like thoughts might pop into your head. And, you know, even in church, sometimes, you know, people can mock and say, well, there's that, that crazy guy, like, you know, he, man, he just, wow. Like, you, whenever he worships, and he just is, he's just a little too much, a little too excited, a little, a little too exuberant. Or, you know, what about that? Yeah, I've heard about that church. I heard they get, I heard they get, like, crazy up in there. Like, it's a little, a little over the top. And, you know, even, I, I hate to say it, but even this year, 
um, if I can just be transparent, I was at a conference and uh, the worship team was on the stage and it wasn't, it wasn't like, it was like ours, but then there was like several rows. And so there were several people on stage and this one girl, young girl stood out to me because she was getting it. I mean, it was like, she, while she, I don't even know how she was doing it and singing at the same time, but she was singing. I mean, and it was, there was a bounce and there was a pop back and forth. Like, I mean, it was, and, I, and I'm watching and I'm like, wow, like, wow, like is, is all that really necessary? Like in my spirit, I'm trying to discern, like, like am I distracted or am I, am I being convicted? Like, I'm not really sure. And it just this critical, you know, thing. And you know what? Immediately I felt like the Holy Spirit said, you don't know what she's been through to get on that stage. You don't know what she's been healed from. You don't know what she's been set free from. You don't know the price that she's paid to get where she's at. And then I'm like, you go, girl. Come on. I'm like, I mean, I'm like, I'm like pumping my fist. I'm all over it because I'm like, you are so right. You don't know the cost you know, and even in the Bible, it's the religious mocked the young woman when Jesus came in. They mocked the young woman who was a sinner who cried on Jesus' feet. And he, uh, and she used her hair. You know, in that time, they wore sandals and, and, and dirt roads. And so their feet were very dirty and muddy. And she dried his feet with her hair. And she poured expensive perfume and uh, oil on, her, on him on his feet and even on his head and and she was being mocked and the religious people scoffed at her. You would think it would be like the people that don't know, but it was the religious people, the church, the religious people that scoffed at her and said, isn't that just, a li like, like is all that necessary? Isn't that just a little too much? And then you had people saying, do you know how expensive that perfume is? Do you know like what you could do with your time? Do you know what, what, how, how much we could make off of that perfume? And Jesus' response was, he who has been forgiven much loves much. I thought it was just like, excuse me. Because he was saying, you know, either you haven't really been forgiven of much, you haven't been forgiven yet, or you just don't remember what you've been forgiving, forgiven of. Because if you really think about the alternative, like if you had to pay the price yourself for each one of your sins, then, it, then you'd be using your hair too. That's really, that's, you know, that's what he's saying. Because she didn't care what she looked like. She didn't care if her hair got dirty. She didn't care if it was costly perfume because it was worth it to her. She knew the cost, the real cost of that perfume. She was pouring it saying, you don't know what he's healed me from. You don't know how he has saved my kids, how he saved me, how he's freed my mind. He, she like, through the bottle, give me another bottle. You don't know how he, he's freed me from suicidal thoughts, how he's healed my body. She didn't care. She knew the cost and what it meant to her. I think, it, I think about my own life. I think, you know, you see me on the stage, but you didn't see the young girl who never felt good enough and who struggled in school and escaped through drugs and alcohol and has been paralyzed by fear and shame. But I do 
I do, I know, what, I know what that little girl is like, but I also know a God who has given me purpose and value and who loves me and who's given me joy and who's given me a life free from fear and shame. And I can't help it. He's changed my life. Yes. So I'm like, if you see me getting jumping around and doing some stuff over here, there's a reason. It's because he's changed my life. I even been there, done that, got the T-shirt. I have a T-shirt that says, Jesus loves this hot mess. And I wear it loud and proud. I, so if you, you walk in, this may be your first time at Anchor Bend. If you see people getting excited, if you see them standing up, it's because they know what God has done in their lives. Amen. I love this. In Luke chapter 19, uh, verse 37 through 40, it says, The whole crowd of disciples burst into enthusiastic praise over all the mighty works they had witnessed. So this is after everything, all the miracles and everything God has done. Some Pharisees, here comes the church crowd again. The church crowd. I mean, really, that just frustrates me. From the crowd told him, teacher, get your disciples under control. But he said, if they kept quiet, the stones would do it for them. I'm like, I don't want a rock taking my place. I want to praise my God. I want to give, give him everything that he deserves. So we praise him for what he's already done. The fourth thing is we worship him because worship changes everything. And so this is one of the most important. Um, if you don't get anything else, I want you to get this. Because it's in the middle of your mess. It's in the darkest hour that you have to know that worship will change everything. And it's something that you have to experience it. If you've never done it and you don't believe me, then try it. I know and I've done it because I've been there. I've been at that place where you feel like you've just hit a wall, where you feel like there's no way out, where you cannot see the light at the end of the tunnel. And then I started to worship. And I just felt different. In Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25, it says, an anxious heart weighs a man down. And if you're anxious, you're carrying the weight of the world on your shoulders and in your heart, it's going to weigh you down. It's, it's hard. It's hard. And, and so we have to just, we break through that and choose to praise, but it weighs us down. And in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, it says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And I know that in the past, maybe like some of you, I've struggled with this because I've, I've, I've done, this is what I've done. I'm like, God, God, I need you to help me with my marriage. I need you to help me with my finances. God, I need, you told me that you would, to cast all my cares on you. God, I need you to, to cast, I'm casting my cares. I'm giving them to you, Lord. Why do I still feel stressed? Why do I still feel like I'm carrying this? And when your word says that to cast my cares on you. And then what I realized is that what I began to worship and I'm looking up it's because I've changed my, because the whole time I'm still focusing on my problems. I'm still focusing on the issues, expecting God to take care of them. And so, but when I look up and I'm worshiping him, then I've shifted my focus. And now I'm saying, God, I'm casting all my cares on you. I'm, I, because the truth is, is he can't carry it until you let go of it. If you're still carrying it, how is he going to carry it? Have you, is it? Has anybody ever said, hey, can you come help me move this box and you get over there? And then you're like, 
Okay, like they're just taking off. Like, and you're not even really helping. Like, you're just kind of holding on to it. You're like, well, that was dumb. I'm like, do you think God feels like this sometimes? He's like, okay, I'm, I'm trying to help. I'm trying to carry it. But he can't do it until we let go of it. And we, we worship God. We're choosing to say, I'm not looking at my problems, but God, I am focused on you. I'm looking at you, and I am trusting that as I set them down, that you are going to pick them up. You are going to carry them. It'll change you. It'll change your life. God loves it whenever we worship, and it's for Him, and He enjoys it. But there's also a shift. There is something that happens on the inside of us when we worship. It's not, it's, there, there's a shift on the inside of us. <clears throat> and, you know, we have the opportunity, you have the opportunity every single week and every single Sunday to come in one way, to come in with heavy burdens, heavy shoulders, and leave differently. Leave lighter because you've connected with God in worship. And, you know, I think about our friends in Pakistan and people across the world. They, they, don't, they don't get that privilege. They don't, we were talking to our kids this past week about the, the underground churches in China, and they were trying to wrap their minds around, like, not even being able to gather together. And we told them they just have to hide and get groups of people and read their Bible and praise. But we get the opportunity to come together in corporate worship. That's powerful. So powerful. And, you know, sometimes people ask, uh, about the difference between praise and worship and maybe some of the faster songs um, and slower songs. And, uh, and God is a God of order. There is sort of a protocol for being in his presence. And the praise is the faster songs because it says enter his gates, enter the courts with thanksgiving. It means we come in thanking him. We come into his presence thanking God and praising him. God, I thank you for what you're doing in my life. I thank you for what you're doing in my family. I thank you for, I see what you're doing and I praise you. Even if you don't do anything else, God, I praise you for who you are, for dying on the cross for my sins. It's just this posture of thankfulness. And then we move into, um, and then we move into the songs that are a little bit slower. And that's because and during the fast songs, and it's more of this horizontal thing. We're talking about God. We're saying, God, we're so thankful. God is so good. He's done great things. But then we, when we move into the, to the worship, it's a little bit slower. And it's a little bit more intimate. And it becomes, it becomes vertical. It then becomes God between you and him. It's, it's God, I worship. I bow down before you. God, I love you. It's not he's a good God, but it's God, I love you. I worship you, I praise you. And it becomes this intimate moment where this exchange happens and this shift happens in our heart. And it's a sweet, sweet moment. You know, pastor can preach the greatest message. Vanessa can sing all the right songs, but we won't, our hearts, we can leave here unchanged if we haven't connected with God and worship. Worship is a powerful place. So as I close, I, uh, these, are, these are the reasons why. These are the reasons why we get excited about praise and worship here at Anchor Bend and why we do some of the things we do. So I just want to give you three quick things as I close just to help you that might help. The first thing is just knowing that worship is not based on a, it's worship is based on a choice and not a feeling. And there's a scripture in Habakkuk that says, though the fig trees do not bud, there are no grapes on the vines. Though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, 
Though there are no sheep in the pen, no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. It means I willfully choose. Although these things are all happening and, and things are not producing in my life and maybe things are falling apart and they're not going right, I will rejoice in the Lord. It doesn't matter. We just, we praise Him anyway. The second thing is, the second thing is that we, I would encourage you to worship Him with everything that you have. Worshiping with everything you have. In Mark, in chapter 12, verse 30, it says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. He wants us to worship with everything that we have. You know, I think about the football fans. I don't, I'm just now getting into football because of my sons, but I think, I think about the football fans and, and I see them with painted faces and they're screaming and hollering and jumping up and down and you know, even just kind of like we were talking about in the club, just dancing crazy. We come into church and we're like, we give him a little golf clap. Go, Jesus. I mean, he is the one who created us. I mean, he is God. If anybody deserves praise and jumps and shouts and face paint and anything else, it is God, right? I mean, that's, that's just what I'm thinking. Who else would deserve it? And then one last thing is we should worship expecting God to respond. In James 5, 8, it says, it says, God, come close to God and he'll come close to you. And you may be thinking, man, pastor, this is a lot. Whew, I don't know about all that. Or, you know, like I just, I'm not, it's not how I grew up. I'm not, I'm not really comfortable with that. I mean, that's, it's not how I grew up either. And I'm not asking you to make a bunch of changes and change everything in one day, but I am asking you to just take a step. I am asking you just to go a little bit deeper. Just go a little bit deeper. Just, just come a little bit closer to God. And if you, if you ask me why, it's because He'll come close to you. If you, if you come, God always says, you just take one step, God takes two to you. And, and this is the deal too. You know, we were created to worship. We were created that way. And so the truth is you're already doing it. People that don't know Jesus are worshiping something. You're already doing it. I love this quote by John Piper in a, in a book that he wrote when he was asked, in what way should we pursue God? And don't steal this because I want it as a tattoo, I'm just saying. So I'm gonna do it. <laughs> I'm like, I got first rights. But, it, but in the article he said, in what way do you pursue God? And it said, with all of my mind's attention and my heart's affection. That's how. And so we have to just ask ourselves, what, where is all of our mind's attention and all of our heart's affection? Because that would answer what we were created to worship. It, all of our mind's attention, heart's affection, that was, it was created for Him. It was really created for Him. And so some of you already know, like some of you probably even before this service or even during this service, God has already been speaking to you about what that next step is. Maybe it's, you know, what it is that, that you can come closer to Him, that you can go a little bit deeper with Him. And He's already been speaking to you about it. It may be joining us for 21 days of prayer. 
It's 6 to 7 a.m. at the Dream Center. It has been amazing. It's just setting that side of time, setting that side of time to say, God, I trust you. I'm not gonna try to work harder at my own problems, but I'm gonna set that time aside, not working on my stuff, doing it my way, but I'm just gonna trust you and I'm gonna use that time to pray, to worship, and just to focus on you. And, uh, and I'm just praying that whatever it is, I know, I know that he's gonna meet you where you are, that he will come close to you, you come close to him and he'll come close to you. So I'm gonna, Jim's gonna come up and give, Pastor Jim's gonna come up and give the salvation message, but I just wanna pray um, before we close. Father, I just pray, Lord. God, I just release the spirit of joy, God, in this church, Father. I pray that there would be no fear Lord, that we would not look to the left or to the right, but God, that we would give you the praise that you deserve because of who you are. God, I pray that you would remind each and every person in here, God, what you have done in their lives. Give them a picture, Father, of before and after, their families, their hearts, their minds. God, how you changed them and transformed them. God, how you have brought them out of the clay pit and set them on a rock. God, I pray that you would just remind us Father, I pray that there would that we would be able to praise you and worship you without hindrance, Lord. I pray, Father, that God, that for each and every person here, that you would speak to their hearts about whatever that next step is. God, that as a church, as individuals, as a church, collectively, God, that we would move closer to you, Father. That as we move closer to you, that you would move closer to us, God. We welcome you. We want you in our lives, Lord. We thank you for what you're doing in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Can we worship God this morning? Come on, give the Lord an ovation of praise. Thank you, Lord. I think I'm going to start letting Phyllis preach five weeks, and I'm going to preach one week. We're going to flip-flop. Uh, wasn't that such a great word from Pastor Phyllis? Didn't she do a great job? Thank you for bringing such truth and wisdom to that topic. Um, why don't we do this? Can we just bow our heads and close our eyes? The presence of God is in this place. You can feel him here. And it's amazing because every single time the word of God is spoken, God draws people to him. And I sense in this place there are some of you here, you've never surrendered your life to him. Maybe you've been around church. Maybe this is your first time to church. But he is drawing you into a relationship with him. And so you say, well, what do I do, pastor? You just respond. You just, you responded. I'm not talking about church membership. We're not talking about this is something you do to join the church. This is what you do when you're ready to give your life to him. You surrender everything to him. And I love what Romans 10, 9, and 10 says, that if we confess Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. That it's not about your works. Look, it doesn't matter what you did last night. doesn't matter what you did last week. doesn't matter what you did this month. It matters what you do right now. Will you respond to the presence of God? And I believe there are some of you right now, you're ready to surrender your life to him. Some of you, for the very first time, you're ready. You say, God, I, I want a relationship with you. I want to surrender my life to you. I want you to change me. And then you turn away. That's what happens in this moment. We repent of our old life, the old way of doing things, and we say, from this moment forward, I commit to be a follower of Jesus Christ. 
And if that's you with heads bowed and eyes closed, I always like to just, as an act of surrender, would you just raise your hand? Just say, that's me, Pastor. Right now, I'm ready to surrender my life to God. Just raise your hand up high. Nobody's looking around. Just as an act of surrender. Yes, yes, yes. All over this place, people are surrendering their life. Come on, church. Tell them how proud you are. Now, I just want to lead you in a prayer of surrender. And then when we pray this prayer, this is what we're going to do. We're going to just sing one chorus of the song we sang earlier. And I'm just asking everyone to stand on your feet and just sing this chorus, and then I'll dismiss the service. But pray this prayer with me. Jesus, I need you. I surrender my life to you. Thank you for dying on the cross and rising from the dead. Right now, I receive your salvation. I believe that in this moment, you're my Lord and my Savior. And I receive the work of the cross now in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen.